Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Citizens and Perfectville and Doll fans everywhere, football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next head coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right, 50-5-0. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. And it's not just basketball. No, no, no. Not just basketball, ladies and gentlemen. Bet Online's your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. The coverage is the best in the business, from sports right down to your Vegas casino games. Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your Miami Dolphins, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I am Sam Marcu, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about none other than the good doctor himself, Dr. Christopher Cullen. Doctor, how in the hell are you, my friend? Well, Sam, after our last episode, I heard from a lot of listeners that we, quote, pumped them up because we are so excited and positive. Guess what? The good news keeps coming, Sam, and we're going to talk on that here in a moment. But, man, I'm better than I was last week, and I was, you know, fucking, you know, happier than a pig and shit. So this, well, is, this is great. It's time to crack one open and celebrate here because the uh, Miami Dolphins, uh, I mean, talk about a turnaround. Other than the actual animal of a goat, which used to mean that you were, you know, the worst player or the person that messed up. Now it means you're the greatest of all time. Has there been a better turnaround media wise and a faster turnaround media wise than the Miami Dolphins, who still have a lot of shit hanging in their underwear here, Chris, but they're starting to get their laundry washed and folded and put away. Mike McDaniel has been a godsend for the Miami Dolphins from the PR side of things, from the coaching side of things, and hopefully to my results side of things later this year, once he actually starts coaching the Miami dolphins, but uh, he has for the most part, Chris filled out his coaching staff. And we talked a little bit about the coaching staff last time. Since then we got our offensive line coaches. We have our new defensive backs coach, which is a familiar name. We have our offensive coordinator. We've got our quarterbacks coach. He started filling in the blanks here, Chris. And did he ever fill them in with some names and heavy hitters? He really did. And, um, I'm going to go back to uh, the fact that you're uh, drinking at 11 in the morning on a, on a Thursday. So that's awesome. That's why we're friends. That's why we're, we, we, we get it. You're cracking one open. Uh, th- that's how good of a mood we're in, right, Sam? We're, we're home. We're talking about the Miami Dolphins in the middle of the work week in a day. And, uh, and it's exciting. Like, it's, the turnaround is unbelievable, man. You're absolutely right. It's something that we're not used to as Dolphins. It's usually just pile on, pile on, pile on. Uh, sprinkle in a good news here or there. Um, somebody said on Twitter is fantastic. Uh, this is the first time, like in a long time, the Dolphins Twitter is like kind of unanimously all agreeing <laughs> with each other because these coaching hires he's bringing in are just home runs, dude. Like he's he's literally came on the Levitard show and talked about how he watched the film of our offensive line 
He's hired guys with offensive line backgrounds, one of which being uh, the guy he got from Boston College that had like four um, at least uh, all ACC um, honors. Uh, it just like brought him in. We bring in a run game coordinator and a line guy from the Chargers that the fans over there in LA are furiously lost, uh, which is always a good sign for the team getting them. Uh, McDaniels also said, uh, come out and said, you know, how we're going to really run the ball. And it's obvious based on the uh, coaching uh, guys that he's brought in. Uh, so he's actually for once coming into the Miami Dolphins situation, looking at finding the weakness and doing everything he can with his resources to uh, build it up and make it better. And honestly, that's fine. It's refreshing. Very refreshing. Well, let's just start with that because you, you you talked about Matt Applebaum, the offensive line coach from Boston College, now with the Miami Dolphins. Frank Smith, who is the new offensive coordinator. So let's start there and just do the trickle down from that. Frank Smith is the offensive coordinator for Mike McDaniel, the Miami Dolphins in 2022. I don't think he's going to be here long because he's going to get himself a head coaching gig maybe as early as next year, depending on what he does for the Miami Dolphins. But Frank Smith is the guy from the Los Angeles Chargers that you were talking about there, Chris. Um, This is a quote that came from a Reddit user, a Chargers fan, who said in response to Frank Smith leaving the Chargers and coming to the Miami Dolphins, huge, massive, terrible L for us, shitting and throwing up right now. That's how much they think of this guy, the Chargers fans. The, The Chargers two years ago were one of the worst offensive line units in the NFL. Sound familiar, Dolphins? They couldn't keep Justin Herbert protected. He was getting stacked. He was getting rushed. They could not run the ball. This guy comes in and makes them a top 10 unit in one season, Chris. That's what this guy did. He turned around this offensive line as their run game coordinator. Everyone's crediting him with the development of Rashawn Slater, their talented left tackle, and for revitalizing some of the pieces on there that people thought were bust or broken or could no longer play. So this guy comes with a lot of credentials from the Los Angeles Chargers, an offense that a lot of Miami Dolphins who are critical of Tua look at that Chargers offense and go, man, I wish we had that. Well, we're going to get an opportunity to have that because we now have the offensive coordinator who helped and was instrumental in making that offense run last year. And he did so with a lot of creative blocking with coaching. There's that word again, and teaching these players the right way to do things. So I'm excited about Frank Smith. I think it's an amazing hire. If that was just the only guy that Mike McDaniel hired, I would say it's still a better staff than what Brian Flores had put together at any point during his career here. But uh, what are your thoughts on Frank Smith? I think I already know, but I got to be a host and ask you your opinion. (laughs) The host with the most. Look, I'll keep it brief because you said mostly what I was going to touch on as we do because we are basically finishing each other's sentences. We've done this a long time. Two things about Frank Smith. One, his name is easy to pronounce. That's great for us as podcast hosts. It's fantastic. I'm so proud that he's coming in and we can easily just say our OC Frank Smith. It's just simple enough. Rolls right off the tongue. You got to love it. And number two, you're absolutely correct. He will not be here long. Hopefully it's a quick fix and he does get things together so we can uh, move in motion. Because I've seen videos of that guy on the sideline, Sam, and he's a fucking animal. Like, he's a guy you want to play with, dropping drop F-bombs, you know, chest bumping the players, to calling them fucking monsters and stuff. Like, just guys that you want to play for. So, um, absolutely excited about it. He had said something, Chris, and, and, I, and I can't find the clip, but I saw it once. And he was 
you know, he's the an offensive guy and the chargers were backed up and he was saying something on defense and he said something like, good, let him score, let him fucking score. And we'll just go down and we'll score again. And I mean, that's the confidence that he had. And he's on the sidelines. I am curious. This is the one question I have about it. He's a sideline guy. You can tell he's energetic. He's, you know, like you said, chest bumping, fist pumping, doing all that type of stuff when it comes to, um, uh, uh, being on the sidelines. He's now the offensive coordinator. We saw with Mike McDaniel as the offensive coordinator, he's up in the booth when he was on the Niners. I'm curious if Frank Smith is going to be on the sidelines or if he's going to be up in the booth, because that to me, he seems like that kind of energy guy that you want down in the pit with you. He wants to be able to grab Tua by the face mask when he comes off and he does mess up and say, here's what I need you to do better. You want him, you know, punching Austin Jackson in the fat belly when he does something right and go, that's what I need to see out of you, big man. I think he's got to be a sideline guy. Am I wrong in thinking that? Or do you think he goes up into the booth and he gets that, you know, all 22 film view, if you will? Yeah, he might because McDaniel will be on the sideline now and he's not used to it. But I agree. I don't think he should. I think he needs to be on the sideline. You said it perfectly. That energy is needed. And there's nothing like coming off the field. And especially with Mike McDaniel calling the plays, he can concentrate on going to those positional huddles on the sideline while we're on defense and being like, what do you guys see out there? Like, are, are we calling the right stuff? Like, what do you think would be work better? Why is it not working? And get that player perspective right then and now. Doesn't have to get him on the phone, talk to one guy at a time. He's there with a the group whiteboarding it and going crazy. And then he can report back to Mike McDaniel and say, hey, look, this is what they're seeing out there. They're really hitting the A-gap. Maybe let's try some counter and outside runs. And they can just rattle that off because they're right there on the sideline together. Um, I could see him being in a booth because McDaniel might want to have that, uh, you know, that view because he doesn't have it anymore. But uh, if he had a choice, and if I had a choice, I would want him on the sidelines because A, that energy, and B, that right now, right here, uh, discussing with the players. Yeah, and I'm wondering, though, if uh, one of the other hires could be the booth guy and uh, somebody who has a lot of experience as an offensive coordinator. He's been an interim head coach as early or late as last year here, Chris. Daryl Bevel uh, is coming to the Miami Dolphins as the QB coach, the quarterback coach. Um, I put on Twitter and uh, others, <clears throat> Fowler, uh, from ESPN ripped that tweet and uh, tried to make it their own. But, you know, you could say what you want about Daryl Bevel, uh, but you can't take away the fact that he worked with Brett Favre, he worked with Matt Stafford, and he worked with Russell Wilson. And what do those guys have in common? They're Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Now, they didn't all win the Super Bowl with Daryl Bell as the coach, but this is a guy who's been around greatness. This is a guy who's helped become, you know, make players greater than they were prior. And he's got a lot of experience in the league. And when we talk about a staff where Mike McDaniel's bringing in some younger guys, which we're going to talk about in a minute, that have potential to be something greater, including Frank Smith, you also have a mix of veterans who have head coach experience, like John Embry at the college level and head coach experience and offensive coordination experience at the pro level in Daryl Bevel. You were pumped about this when you and I talked about this the other day when we knew that he was coming on board. Uh, how important is it for Daryl Bevel to Tua's progression here in year three? Um, I mean, it seems like this is a match made in heaven for Tua uh, and his skill set and some of the quarterbacks that Daryl Bevel's worked with in the past. Um, how pumped are you for this marriage here between the QB coach and the QB? I love it, man. And and this is why. So you got to us coming into his third year who has played with a organization or a coaching staff, at least that literally did everything they could to see him fail. Like they didn't build around them. They didn't play to his skill sets. They didn't put a line in front of them. Uh, Daryl Bell Bevel is coming in has worked with young quarterbacks like Russell Wilson, uh, a guy that has similar statute to, to, to uh, do the things he can do uh, has had success with him. 
And you, you bring in this veteran presence that's been around those guys. I don't care what anybody says. When Tua meets him for the first time, he's going to be like, hey, uh, and he's got these stories about when what worked when he worked with Brett Favre or what worked when he worked with Russell or what worked when he you know, worked with the other guys. And, and Tua is going to be almost like starstruck. Like this guy, not only you – know, he's right in the room with these guys, and they brought him here to help me. And he, knowing Tua, um, just as much as we do as podcast hosts that live in different states, uh, he seems like the type that's going to be an open book, willing to learn, and is going to really be um, a sponge taking in all the information because he has it. It's such a great mix, these coaching hires. And you mentioned it prior, of new guys or younger guys that are on their way up and experienced guys that can help uh, Mike McDaniel, help the younger guys. And it's just such a perfect fusion uh, by design, no doubt about it. That's going to just have this front, this this coaching staff that is just stellar, man. And and I'll be honest, I was one of the guys I was worried that he wouldn't be able to do it. Um, but he's worked across a vast plane of teams in the NFL for so long, and he's obviously built these relationships. Because Sam, we talked about it last week. It happened again. We'll get to that in a moment. Somebody came over laterally to work with Mike McDaniel. It, it, it's because of relationships and and what he's built. And the the absolute hundred percent positivity these guys have working with Mike, and he's bringing that to the Dolphins, and it's finally so, like I said, refreshing that we are doing it right, man. We're doing it right. Well, and if you're Tua Tagovailoa, you have to be looking at this, going, "This is a new day." I mean, you talked about how the Brian Flores era did everything they possibly could, you know, other than drafting Tua to to show them that they didn't like him. I mean, it's come out now that. Brian Flores spilled the beans of Tua Tungabailoa during the last preseason game of 2021, Chris. That that. We're going after Deshaun Watson. I mean, he put him on notice. We're pursuing Deshaun Watson. And you can look at that one of two ways. One is he's being honest with his quarterback. He's trying to let him know that this is what's going on. But knowing what Brian Flores has, you know, I guess, revealed himself to be, that wasn't what he was doing. He was b- bullying him is what he was doing is he was saying, ha ha, guess what we're doing. I mean, that's what he was doing. So if you're Tua Tunga by Loa and you're looking at this and your new head coach is FaceTiming you and joking and telling you, you're going to be great. And I'm going to be the reason that you are great on the plane to go sign his contract. And then he goes, Oh, by the way, I'm going to bring in all these people that have experience and know how to block or how to get people to block. I'm going to get an OC that has, you know, uh, O-line experience. I'm going to get you a quarterback's coach that's got OC and head coach experience. I'm going to go get, you know, one of the bright minds, young bright minds, which we're going to go to next in college and bring him in to help coach these guys up so that we can have a running game, we can have a blocking game, and you can actually sit back there and find the ball and find the receiver and marry marry those two so that Jalen Waddle can catch the ball and then turn around and run, which is one of the things Mike McDaniel talked about here recently, Chris. he goes, I see a guy who not only can catch the ball, but they can turn around and get yards after the catch. And that is critical. That is key. If you look at how Mike McDaniel talks about his philosophy, it's all about not necessarily mismatches. It's about creating just enough leverage to where a wide receiver is considered open versus not. It's about getting enough blocking so that your wide receiver or your running back can get through the hole versus getting stuffed at the, you know two yards deep. He's talking about concepts of this is how we're going to get Jalen Waddle into space. And once he's in space, Tua is going to get him the ball. And then from there, you let your talent be talented and go run with the ball fast and hopefully into the end zone. I'm loving everything I'm hearing. And he's backing it up with hires that, at least on paper, Chris, give us a pretty strong 
indication as to what this football team is going to be offensively and their identity. Tua's quick release, which is everyone knows, is no secret, is one of the best in the league. To pair that with a strong, dominant run game, Sam, is almost fucking laughable for the rest of the league. I mean, honestly, if you think about the things that Mike McDaniels can can uh, create and and chum up when you talk about a guy that can see, progress, hit, throw, and do that after running three, four, five straight times to bring that defense in, and he sees that gap. It, it, Mike McDaniel is one of my favorite coaching hires we've had since I've been doing the show and since really I've been um, a fan of the Miami Dolphins because he came out and said something I thought was brilliant, which he is. Um, It's not just about like creating plays for your offense. It's about studying the defense and attacking their weaknesses. And that's so brilliant because there's so many coaches I've been around at the middle school, little league level, high school. And when I played in college that are like, I run a fucking power eye and that's what we run. And that's it. They just watch film and they know now that work on stopping a power eye, period, end of story. Like what if Georgia Tech showed up one week playing Florida State and didn't run a triple triple option? <laughs> they showed up and ran instead, you know, two by two. And they're running slants and, and, and corners and running uh, RPO. They've been preparing all week for that. Why, why would you let them just have that and prepare and just do one thing, square hole, and like let them prepare for it. He instead sees all oh, this team coming up runs a four three, and we can really attack that middle line, but middle of the field with crossing patterns. The next week we do something different, and I just love that he sees the defense, and it's like chess to him, not checkers, right? He's seeing what that defensive coordinator setting up for the third quarter. He's seeing what he's setting up from the game prior, possibly to put on tape for us to study, and he's maneuvering things around in his head and putting it on the field and teaching. We're going to get to that in a second. Somebody posted a fantastic video about our new offensive line coach. Um, And and then let them go out and make it happen on the field. And that's something I said before we even hired McDaniel, right? It's not about the rah-rah when they're calling him a nerd and stuff and you can't control a room. It's not about that. It's about putting them in the best position to be football players because they're football players. He's a coach. Well, let's talk about that offensive line because I think that is the key to making this entire offense do exactly what you and I were just talking about. If you can't block, then none of those things can actually happen in terms of running and passing the ball. So Matt Applebaum, uh, which by the way, <laughs> him coming to the Miami Dolphins, which obviously Miami's in Florida, Flo Rida had a song about apple bottom jeans. I can't get Beautiful. apple bomb jeans out of my head. So if this offensive line takes off, I'm going to just be walking around going apple bomb jeans, boots with the fur. And the thing is, Matt Applebaum, is uh, a coach on the rise. He's not one of these guys that has a ton of experience. He has very little at the pro level. He has been uh, an offensive line coach and um, at the college level, most notably at Boston College. You touched on it, Chris. Um, he had four all-ACC honorees on that offensive line this past year. He's one of the guys that has helped develop Zion Johnson into a top prospect for this upcoming draft. He also has a center named Alec Lindstrom, who's going to go in no worse than the third round. So he's got two high level prospects that have been developed under his tutelage. He also used to work for the Washington Redskins back in 2010 with Kyle Shanahan and McVeigh and all of these coaches that are now taking over the league, including Mike McDaniel. Now, Mike McDaniel wasn't on that staff. He didn't go on until 2011, I don't believe. But the point of this is, He's got experience with the Shanahan system. He has experience uh, developing, teaching, and coaching players, putting them in positions to win. I think he's the guy who actually moved Zion from left tackle to left guard, and he took off and became a top prospect this year. 
this is something that I don't know a lot of people are aware of. He was offered a, a, a coaching gig in the NFL last year. Matt Applebaum was. He turned it down. He wanted to stay at Boston College. It wasn't the right fit. And at the time, he said, why would I want to go anywhere else? I want to stay at Boston College. I want to see this thing through. A year later, Mike McDaniel comes knocking on the door and says, I need you to be my offensive line coach in Miami. And he's like, where do I sign? Get me out of wow. here. Let's do this. So you talk about bringing people over for lateral moves. He was able to convince a guy who a year earlier, who added to that success, by the way, in that year of staying in college, said, no, thank you, NFL. I'm good here in the NCAA. Now he's like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go coach on Mike McDaniel's staff, raise my profile and bring my level of knowledge and expertise and teaching to this Miami Dolphins team. I think it's amazing. I think it's an amazing hire. It's something that people didn't expect. But when you look into this guy's history, you look, this is another guy who was going to be a coach. That was his trajectory. He played at UConn as a guard. Um, or as an offensive lineman, but this guy was meant to be a coach of offensive linemen. And here he is with the Miami Dolphins. The video I mentioned before is worth mentioning now into more detail. And it's circulating around uh, Twitter and it's our offensive line coach. And he's talking about the opportunity to go to the NFL. And the thing he said, Sam, was the complete opposite of the Nick Saban coaching uh, opportunity for the Miami Dolphins. And it's just funny that he ended up with our franchise. He said that when you go to the NFL, um, you have to be a teacher. Why do you have to be a teacher? He said, oh, there's some guys on the team that are older than me. So I can't yell at them and cuss at them. They'll beat me up. Like literally what he said. They'll beat me up. I'm older than you. Shut up. What can you bring to the table for a professional athlete that has a family that is being paid to do what they do on a very high level that no other coach can Okay. Anybody could go in and go, fuck you, go out there, kick their fucking ass, drag them around. Blah. This isn't a 1980s like high school football movie. This is professional athletes in top level facilities with top level research and analytics being done on video and in statistics that they're going over. They're bright minds that have gone through hell in middle high school, college, combines, cuts, free agencies, all that to be in this room. Don't belittle them. Don't make them think that they're below you. They're some of the top 1% of people in this goddamn world to play this game. What can you bring to the table? And it has to be, it has to be teaching. It has to be saying, instead of doing this, do that. Or this is how we're going to attack this because I love your strength here. He can work out all he wants. He can hire all the, the people he wants to train in the offseason. But where are you as a coach? Why do we even have coaches, right? You need coaches instead of just guys going out to play that can go to the table and bring you this and you turn it off and here, let the professionals do it. And they go out in the field and, and perform. And that's what he brings to the table. And I love it. Love it. Well, there's a couple other things here too. Uh, let's just stick with Matt Applebaum because I'm fascinated by this hire for whatever reason. Like I like all the yeah, hires. Again, another good, easy name to pronounce. This is Applebaum. great for us. Yeah. yeah. Just remember flow right Applebaum jeans. Uh, here's the other thing. It, it, Coaching is a weird dynamic because you're the boss, but it's one of the only professions where the people that report to you make more money than you. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't happen. That usually the structure is the manager or the boss makes more money because they're the manager or the boss. And that might be true of the head coach usually, but at the assistant level, at the offensive line coach level, a lot of these players that he's coaching are making more money to, than him. A lot of them are older than him, maybe not anymore, but at the time they were. So you're right. You have to look at this completely different in terms of how you're going to coach them because 
you're not the alpha in that group. You're just the coach and there's a difference. So you have to coach them. I was uh, jumping around on a bunch of different Twitter spaces uh, last night, Chris, and uh, yeah. And, and uh, shout out to a lot of the, the, the folks out there that I know are listening. Um, they, they, there's some really good, you know, Twitter space. Uh, uh, I don't know, Spacing. producers, spacers, Twitter spacers. Um, and one of the conversations that was around our offensive line coach and our old offensive line coach, uh, Lem, as they'd like to call him. And there was a conversation between two people uh, last night. And one of them was saying, you know, the guy couldn't even talk. They asked him a question and it's just radio silence. And then somebody else was trying to defend him and go, well, it doesn't mean he doesn't know anything. He's just, some people have a hard time articulating that. And the first person you're said, a coach. but you're the coach. <laughs> like your one job is to be able to articulate points and make people better by using your voice. If you can't do that, you can't be a good coach. And the point of bringing that up, and it made me laugh, Chris, is that that was our coach last year. How the fuck did Tua Tungabailoa have any opportunity to succeed as a quarterback? No wonder we didn't have a running game. No wonder it didn't work. The coach couldn't coach. He couldn't talk to his team you know, and his players. And now we have these guys that are literally Yale grads. Um, and because the, the assistant offensive line coach is actually an old teammate of Mike McDaniel from Yale. And of course, McDaniel's uh, background at Yale and guys that are, you know, like you said, you're sitting there watching an interview going, wow, how smart, you know, look, look what this guy's talking about. It's night and day. It's night and day. The philosophy of coaching for Mike McDaniel than what Brian Flores had. Brian Flores was, I'm the boss. I'm the leader. Do what I say. He wanted a bunch of minions that would just do his bidding. Mike McDaniel has a completely, he's building a staff. This is what building a staff looks like. And, you know, it just, it's incredible. And it actually makes me feel better that he kept Eric Stubbsville as his running backs coach, because we all thought he was trash, but if Mike McDaniel's, if you look at the, the 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 track record so far, he's killing it with these hires. So if he's deciding to keep Studsville, I'm okay with it. Well, I mean, he got promoted to OC from the job he did as a running back coach, so he did something right, um, even you know with the prior, prior regime. But you said it so perfectly, Sam. Flores was the boss; he was the guy. He walked in, and you know, he controlled every little aspect of a meeting. Of of uh, it's just players don't respond to that. There's a reason. And I was just thinking about this as you were talking. Uh, so clearly not listening to you um, as we do, but <laughs> Bill Belichick's coaches have had zero success. There's not been really one guy that's pro- broke off and been like, finally, that guy gets it. He learned it from Bill. Bill Belichick started in the eighties and nineties when football was way different. When you did have to be rah, rah, fuck you, blah, blah, blah. The guys were making 10 grand a year. Yeah. You know, like, so you had to be this tough guy. It, they responded to it. That's the way football was. I was right in the brink of that playing little league in the nineties. And I graduated in 05. And in those early two thousands, I was still getting the face mask grab tobacco screamed into my eyes, telling me to rub some dirt on it. Stop being a pussy, get out there and go. Football is completely different now. Like, and the reason Bill Belichick has, is successful is he started being successful when that worked. His grandfather problem, grandfathered in. So yep. the problem is now he's still having success because those guys want to buy in because it's the Patriot way and the, and they deal with it. We there's there's tons of reports that Gronk hated being there, uh, that Edelman or uh, Amendola hated being there. Like liked his post when he said I'm finally free or something. Yeah, these guys are not having fun there, but it's works, so they deal with it. These other coaches leave and they're like, this is the way we do it. That's how Bill does it, and they're like, it's 2021. No, it's not. Yeah. Like look at who won the Super Bowl and who were in the Super Bowl. Too young. 
very like progressive, fun, like just smart coaches and Zach Taylor and uh, McVay. And that's the thing that these guys want now. They want every once in a while, you know, in a meeting when it's getting it kind of everybody's kind of uh, getting do a TikTok dance. Just take 30 seconds to do something fun. The players will laugh. They'll film it. They'll keep it themselves. Everybody's upbeat. Boom, they go back on with the meeting. Back in those days, like when I was in college, Sam, in a Division two level, we would wake up at 4 a.m. We'd run at 5. We'd eat. We'd go to class. We'd do tutoring. We'd lift. We'd practice. We'd watch film with our individual positions of that practice. So you have all these linebackers at 10 o'clock at night after that long day. I started dipping like tobacco because I would fall asleep. And you don't want to be the guy that falls asleep in a positional room with the lights off, watching film with a laser pen. So we'd all dip. So it gave us something to do or sunflower seeds. Okay. It, it was a different time back then. And, and, and that was in 2006. Like it's just different. And it, they need these guys that can be Mike McDaniel could be dead serious and going over film and all of a sudden stop and be like, yo, you guys see that stuff with Justin Timberlake? And everyone's like, what? And they laugh. Like he's that type of guy. You need yeah. that. And that brings the team together. These hard, there's a reason these hard ass Bill Belichick coaches don't work. It, it just doesn't resonate with the players in, in today's NFL. No, it really doesn't. But uh, I'm excited to see what this coaching staff can do. And here's the other thing on Matt Applebaum, and then we're going to switch to the defensive side of the ball because uh, we may be burying the lead here, but uh, there's a Dolphins legend uh, coming back to Miami. Mm. I actually messaged him last night. I'll I'll tell you about that too. But um, Matt Applebaum comes from Boston, right? He He comes from the college ranks where, as we already mentioned, he's got at least two guys who are going to be drafted first, second, possibly third round, you know, at the, at the latest, if you don't think that part of this is him coming and bringing his Intel on those two players and how they can actually maybe perhaps contribute to the Miami dolphins, then you're fooling yourselves. If you're looking at the draft board and you don't have Zion Johnson and Alec Lindstrom as very strong candidates for the Miami dolphins to either trade up or trade down or go and just draft wherever they're going to be drafted. I think you're not doing this the right way. He absolutely is going to want to bring some of his talent in if they can make it work. So that's something to keep in mind on for you draft heads out there. If you're not looking at Zion Johnson, when you're doing your PFN mock draft, if you're not looking at Alec Lindstrom, when you're doing the draft networks, you know, mock draft app, I think you you need to start, you need to update because that is for sure having uh, conversations with Chris Greer He's having conversations with Mac, uh, Mike McDonald, McDaniel, not Mike McDonald, Mike McDaniel, and others uh, about those two players. I guarantee it. Yeah, even if it's a, one of those things where like they're projected on their big board to go 60th, around the 60th, and we're at 45, and they're like, let's just pull the trigger now. We know he's a good player. Coach, you know, raved about him, broke it down. They, he goes against the norms. It's not the old school. Well, we can't pick him now, even though we like him as a player because he's just not at our projected. Spot. It's five spots. Just make the pick, you know. So I, I that's a great point. I can see that totally uh, happening, and I know those guys would be excited. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just switch to the defensive side of the ball because as we talked about in the last episode, a lot of the defensive staff is staying. Right, we, we're, we're keeping Josh Boyer. We've got our defensive line coach. We've got our linebackers coach. But we did see Gerald Alexander, the defensive backs coach, leave and go elsewhere because he was fired. Um, and we thought we were going to keep our cornerbacks coach, but he actually left and went to Cincinnati, uh, who clearly they need coaching with their cornerbacks, Eli Apple. But uh, <clears throat> because of that, it left an opening for the Miami Dolphins. And if you remember, Chris, last week I ranted about the Hall of Fame, as you did, and I talked about Sam Mills. And it wasn't a blast on Sam Mills, although it was. 
And I said, I'm a fan of people named Sam. Well, I'm really glad Mike McDaniel listened to that episode of Perfectville. And I'm really glad he read my article on welcome to perfectville.com where I said he needed to start bringing Miami Dolphins players, former players back on his coaching staff. I called out Wes Welker. He did that. And I called out this guy, Sam Madison Jr. As somebody who could possibly be joining the Miami Dolphins staff. And wouldn't you know it, here we are. Another fellow Sam is here because Sam Madison is leaving the Kansas City Chiefs on a lateral move to come to the Miami Dolphins and be the cornerbacks coach for our favorite team, Chris. And I'm excited. Man, this is so cool because we're getting to the point now where the guys we watched play and remember vividly watching play are at the age of coaching. Like, it's cool. I was watching, I think it was Green Bay or Detroit. Like, Aaron Glenn was a defensive backs coach or something. I'm like, Aaron Glenn. Oh, my God. I remember watching him play. Like, this is fucking fantastic. Um, it is so cool. I mean, just, like, really cool. Sam Madison was one of my absolute favorite, favorite football players. Like, I loved his face mask. He had the little, like, the little scoop uh, face mask. Uh, playing with that defense with Zach and Jason Taylor and, and, and uh, um, uh, Patrick Sertan. Brock Marion, Patrick Sertan, Brock Marion, um, Tim Bowens, all those guys. I mean, just to have him back, how cool is that? And how smart is Mike McDaniel? Because this isn't a guy that came from his coaching tree, right? He's in Kansas City. Yep. But he knows he's a former Dolphins legend, Hall of Famer, and should be NFL Hall of Famer. And he's doing a really good job there in Kansas City, a team that's above where we want to be right now. Bring him in. It's going to cause good press, which we need, like you mentioned. It's going to be great for our players, former player and now coach. When we have a strong defensive back unit, bring him in. It's going to be nothing but positive things when you have Byron Jones, when you have X, when you have the new the Javon Holland and uh, Jones and these guys. Like, it's just fantastic. I love the hire, Sam. It's, it's fan service for us. But it's also a good hire. Like he's a good coach. So this is just bring him home. It's, it's fantastic. Well, I, I'm just imagining, and I put this on Twitter too, but I'm imagining the conversations that Sam Madison can have with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones about man or press coverage. And, you know, what Sam Madison and Patrick Sertan did, because that's what they did, man. That's what that defense was. You, those two guys are on islands. Good luck trying to get by him. And then we're going to have Jason Taylor hitting your quarterback and Zach Thomas hitting your running back. Good luck to all of you. Beautiful. Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, that's what they do. They do man coverage. They do press coverage. That's when they're at their absolute best. So having a guy who was that type of specialist cornerback back in the day, talking to the guys that do that now, I can only imagine, like like I said, it's going to be like a master's class of them talking about technique and what they can do and how they can get better. And here's the thing that I love the most about this, other than the good story of Sam Madison coming back to the Miami Dolphins. Sam Madison dealt with, let's just say a lack of talent with cornerbacks in Kansas city. He had undrafted free agents. He had late round free agents and or uh, late round draft picks. And he developed them into bona fide starters. Like he, he taught them. There's that word again, how to be a professional cornerback. You're now taking him and giving him fucking talent, like not just okay. Talent, marginal talent, actual bona fide talent and saying, See what you can do with these guys. It reminds me of like Alex Friedman, who is the vice president of baseball operations for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Before that, he was the general manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. Ooh, he always what had switch. what's that? <laughs> so, ooh, what a switch. So 
he went from the Tampa Bay Rays organization where they had no money. He couldn't spend anything. He had to, you know, be creative with trades. He had to develop talent through their pipeline and he got them to the world series. He then left and went to the Dodgers and they said, do whatever the fuck you want. And he got them to the world (laughs) series and won the motherfucker. They've been to the world series like three or four times since Andrew Friedman took over. You went from, you can do this with a finite amount of talent, talent and resources to you now can do anything and everything you could ever want to do in this position because you're now in this case with the Dodgers. That's what it's like with Sam Madison. He's got this finite amount of resources with the Kansas City Chiefs, and now he's coming to the Miami Dolphins that have arguably the best tandem of lockdown press coverage corners. I'm excited to see what he's going to do with all that. Yeah, it's uh, as a coach, I, I'll bring I bring it down to my my level at the middle school level. I've been blessed with uh, to come up from fourth grade to now we just finished eighth grade, uh, so five years with these kids, uh, just incredible group of talent. Like they're just, it's unbelievable how talented they are. Like I have guys on the bench on my defense that would start on any other team in the county. Like that's how good we are, and it's so fun as a coach to move those guys around. Like Zach, when I first started, I had him at DN because he was so fast. I put our two fastest guys at DN. There's, there's coaches at that level weren't smart enough to like chip or put a tight end out there or something. It, so it was this fat slow kid at tackle. By the time the kid's getting the snap, if he doesn't bobble it, he, he's right there under his chin. I then since moved to the middle linebacker because he can go sideline to sideline. What because what they started doing is running away from him. Yeah. Um. So, so it's it so exciting to have that talent. But the best part is is that I know what Sam Anderson is thinking. Like you said, he's coming from it's rags to riches, right? He, he's got guys. He's like hoping he can coach them up and hope they can overperform. He's coming into this and he's like, guys, I don't really have to do much. Let's talk about this. And like, let's get even better. Even though you've been great, this is exciting. And you know, he's on that plane down home to Miami talking to his wife, his friends, whomever. And they're like, bro, you get the coach X, you get the coach Byron Jones. Like, this is awesome. And uh, it's just, it's just really cool to see, especially because they played the type of, corner and they're most comfortable like you said where sam had what in our opinion a hall of fame career so it's just such a match it's, it's it, beautiful it's going to be an awesome it's going to be a lot of fun to see sam madison on the sidelines for the miami dolphins right? again so uh well that's it man i mean that is the coaching staff as we know it i mean i'm sure there's going to be some other people coming in we've got you know assistants that'll be named and you know strength and conditioning coaches and stuff like that but the principal people are there the offensive avengers is out there you can find it on twitter and uh, it's just going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see what this team can do, how they can coach them, how they can take the existing pieces and make them better, what pieces they're going to go out and get, which uh, we'll talk a little bit about, maybe what's coming up here for the Miami Dolphins. Um, but we're going to go take a little break. I'm going to finish this little beverage I have here, and then we're going to come back. and We're going to talk about something that maybe isn't so great uh, that might have the possibility of a great player becoming a part of it, uh, as well as everything else that has to do with the Miami Dolphins ownership situation. We'll be back right after these words. It's break time here in the town of Perfectville, but I have to ask everybody listening right now this question. What's more important than peace of mind? (laughs) Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you're online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. 
With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either. And plans start at under $4 per month. You heard me right, ladies and gentlemen. $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. Let me go ahead and repeat that in case you didn't hear me. You get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Head to NordVPN today and thank me later. Now back to the show. And we're back. Sam Marku, Chris Colin, welcome to Perfectville, part of the Believe Podcast Network. And we've talked about the coaching staff like we talked about, Chris. seems like Mike McDaniels is hitting a home run and after home run, after home run, uh, to use a baseball reference here for football. Uh, but something that's still here. We talked about all the good news and the good press that the team has been getting since Mike McDaniel was hired, but uh, there's still this ongoing and lingering issue of Stephen Ross. Um, he's kind of like that little bit of dirt that's still under your fingernail, even though you've cut the excess fingernail away in the corner of that finger. There's just a little bit of Stephen Ross dirt that it's just going to annoy the shit out of you until you can figure out how to get that out of your pinky nail. And it turns out, Chris, we may not have to deal with that too much longer because if reports are true and they do find evidence, and by they, I mean the NFL and their investigation team, that Stephen Ross was paying to lose games or at least offered to do that, the NFL owners, the other ones, can vote him out. The NFL can get make him sell the team and we would be free of the Stephen Ross ownership regime for the Miami Dolphins. Now, my question to you is that this is a possibility. We're a long ways from that. Are you a fan of Stephen Ross being forced to sell the team? And if so, or if not, why? Yes, you have to. Uh, and the other owners have to do it because it's the integrity of the game. Um, because I, I get wanting to win, right? I get wanting to win, and I appreciate it as a fan. Uh, but there's just a way to do it. And when you're talking about now, if you're paying him to win games, I mean, I'm not as mad at that, but you're paying a coach to lose on purpose for the team you own. Like it just, I, I how does that make sense? I, I, I mean, I know you're looking at the long game I, I, at, at draft picks. Um, this can't be something that was discussed with uh, his attorneys with his managers, with his friends, because all of them would have said, dumb, dumb idea. Have you seen first-round picks that fail? It happens all the time. Um, it just – you have to get rid of them, and he has to go. Like, if, if it's proven, which is the interesting thing, it's all Flores said it happened. He's got a buddy that was a coach and said he can collaborate. Is that it? Is there proof? Does he have receipts? Was it ever put in writing if Stephen Ross is a smart man, which is a billionaire? He didn't put it in writing. <laughs> It'd be smart. But, yeah, the answer to the question is yes, he must be forced to sell the team if this is proven uh, true. And I would even go further. If you're Stephen Ross and you're in your 80s and you're dealing with this headache over and over, like at this point, why would you even want to own the Miami Dolphins? I mean, you're a businessman. It hasn't worked out. I tried. This isn't working for me. Let me just get out of this. Let me cut bait. Let me go to Michigan and high five Jim Harbaugh every Saturday and just live out my years and say, it didn't work out. 
that was a fun experiment. Let me move on with my life and get rid and away from this investigation altogether. I mean, the problem is no matter what happens, it sounds like the Miami dolphins and the fans are going to suffer. We're going to lose draft picks. We're going to get fined, whatever the case may be. But uh, if I'm Steven Ross, I'm welcoming this <laughs> secretly going, yeah, get me out from this because it has not worked out. But uh, right now, if let's just let's just play this out, Chris. If Steven Ross is forced to sell the team right now, the NFL already has a succession plan in place. It's been approved. It's been this way for a couple of years, I think, to sell to Bruce Beal Jr., who is an executive in Steven Ross's, you know, real estate empire. He is the next in line. He is already pre-approved to own the team and to buy it from Steven Ross. He's in his fifties. He's been around the team. You can see him in a bunch of photos. He is the heir apparent. Does it make, I mean, do you think they would still allow that sale to go through to his associate considering you're talking about the integrity of the game when it comes to Steven Ross or should the NFL just throw that whole plan out and say, sorry, we're going to go to an auction. We're going to go to a bid. We're going to handle the sale of this team away from you. Um, What do you think would be best? You have to cut ties with all anything that Stephen Ross has finger on, because then all anybody's going to say is, "Oh, okay, he's a, he's a puppet." And Stephen Ross is controlling the strings. Um, y- everything has to go. Like he doesn't get to pick who takes over. We're literally forcing you to sell. Yeah, you have to sell it. You get rid of the team. I don't care about your succession plan. It's going to be who we choose. We're the NFL. Fuck you. So, all right, let's just play that out even further. So I'm, I'm of the opinion that you will not see systemic change when it comes to, you know, the racial issues that are happening in the NFL until somebody says you, we need to bring in more minority owners right now. There's one Shad Khan for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but we don't have any African-American owners. We don't even, I don't think other than maybe some small ownership stakes like minority owners, we don't really have any of that. I mean, would, should the NFL say, okay, you're going to sell the team and here's our opportunity to write a wrong and we're going to ask for you know an ownership group to come in and be represented with people of color that's one way to go about it here's another way here's an interesting nugget that is starting to kind of work its way around the league work its way into the twitterverse bruce beal jr the guy who's already approved to buy the team from stephen ross is really good friends with another very rich person who has ties to stephen ross who recently retired from his day job, uh, a guy by the name of Tom Brady. Tom Brady and Bruce Beal can be seen basically holding hands and frolicking through the United States at different parties and you know highfalutin events. The rumor goes, Chris, that Tom Brady is looking to buy an interest in the Miami Dolphins and becoming a minority owner for the Miami Dolphins. Um, this has been brewing under the surface for a couple of weeks. It's starting to make its way out there. I happen to believe it. And uh, because, like I said a few weeks ago, I believe everything about Stephen Ross. What are your thoughts of Tom Brady? Does that change your opinion? If Tom Brady is all of a sudden going to be a part-time, you know, a part owner of the Miami Dolphins with Bruce Beal Jr., do you want that if you're a Dolphins fan? Do you want that, Chris Cullen, of Tom Brady officially owning the Miami Dolphins? Here's a part where everybody expects me to say, fuck Tom Brady. He beat us and owned us for years. Why not? I'm not, we can't let them own us for real. Um, well, you're not going to hear me say that. What you're going to hear me say is bring it the fuck on. Give them the biggest amount of decision-making and percentage that you can. Because this guy knows football, and he doesn't fail at anything that he does. And he is the ultimate, ultimate competitor. So if the team's only winning eight games, Tom Brady's not going to sit on his hands and not make changes. 
He's going to make sure a winner is on the field. He will not back a loser. Period. End of story. I'm totally fine with it because guess what? Other than tossing around with Dan the man before the game, he doesn't have a football in his hands. So he can't hurt us anymore, Dolphins. He can only help us. Yes. Bring in old Tommy. And here's what I like about this. I mean, he's got a ton of money, right? I mean, the rumor is the reason why he had to retire from football. His wife has more money than him. Well, it was going to cost Tom Brady a ton of money if he was going to get divorced from Giselle. One of the rumors out there is the reason why he retired is she was like, either stop playing football or you stop having as much money as you were going to have. So maybe this is his way of staying in with football. Maybe I won't play football, but I'll just own football. Here's the thing. You're right. He doesn't fail. I mean, as much as we don't like Tom Brady because of everything he did with the Patriots, imagine, imagine. Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl as the owner of the Miami Dolphins and Patriots fans just have to sit on that dick for the rest of their lives. That is worth the price of whatever he would pay to be a part owner of the Miami Dolphins right there. Here's another thing. One of the issues we've had with Stephen Ross for a very long time is that he's an absentee owner who doesn't know football. Then all of a sudden just like shows up and fucks everything up and kicks over the can and says, nope, this is what we're doing now. Bruce Beal is around the team more so than Stephen Ross. He's younger than Stephen Ross, but I don't know that he's a football guy. If part of your ownership group is Tom Brady, he is a fucking football guy. So when you are faced with tough decisions about a player, about a coach, about a GM, or anything football-related, don't you turn to your buddy Tom Brady and go, what do you think? It seems like a match made in heaven. I'm rooting for this plan. I want Stephen Ross out. I want Bruce Beal Jr. and Tom Brady in. And that's who I want to own the Miami Dolphins going forward. One last little bone to throw into this one, Sam. You know who's part of an ownership group that's trying to buy the Denver Broncos? Tom Brady's nemesis, Peyton Manning. (laughs) So he can't let Peyton be better at him than anything. If Peyton's owning the team, I'm owning the team, and mine's not in the fucking Rockies. I'm at the beach drinking and throwing Lombardis around. Have fun in the snow, Peyton. This is, and by the way, Tom Brady on Twitter is an amazing follow now. If you haven't seen, it's it's actually, he's really quite funny. It's very annoying. It's like when, as a guy growing up, you didn't like Justin Timberlake, and then you kind of find out that he's funny, and you're like, okay, I guess begrudgingly, I have to kind of accept you as somebody that I'm going to like. See, I always liked him because I'm a closet and sync guy, so. Uh, Well, you I can't wait to hear that. about that on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you should delete tweet. Is that a delete comment? Um, but here's the thing. You just said that. Peyton Manning, John Elway in Denver. Dan Marino, Tom Brady in Miami. We just called the Avengers for the coaching staff. This is Avengers Civil War that's happening right now. You got Peyton Manning and John Elway lining up in Denver. And then in South Beach, you got Dan Marino and possibly Tom Brady teaming up together. This is like... Uh, world's colliding here. This is kind of fun. I mean, at some point you're going to have to put Bubby Brister and Jay Fiedler in there just to kind of, you know, have a mediocre quarterback for each of them as well. But I mean, where does Brian Greasy go? I have so many questions with this. If Tom gets there fucking around with Dan and be like, Hey buddy, you want to know what a Super Bowl ring looks like? And he can walk around with them on his hand or, or he can be dead serious and be like, Hey, look, Peyton's got one. Elway's got one. I've got one. I'm coming in here. I'm going to get you one, buddy. And that'd be that'd be the funniest, that'd be the coolest story ever. I feel like Dan, Dan Marino would look at him and go, "Who the fuck are you again?" Like he had no idea. Fuck, off. <laughs> fuck it, send it in, send it in. Uh, well, speaking of sending it in, that's uh, that's a great tie-in because we've got a lot of events coming up here, not only for the Miami Dolphins and the NFL, but for 
Welcome to Perfectville. We got free agency just right around the corner here, Chris. We're going to start seeing the philosophy, who's staying, who's going uh, for, for Mike McDaniel and this Miami Dolphins team. I'm looking forward to the free agent frenzy. We can go through and start nitpicking everything that's about to happen here in early March. And then in April, you know, that's when the gears come on. You talked about it. We got the combine coming up. So uh, the, the workout Olympics in our underwear and then the draft in Las Vegas, a place you and I were supposed to go to two years ago. I may be yep. there. I won't reveal yet. I may be there uh, in an official capacity uh, this year. But uh, the Miami Dolphins have some intriguing, intriguing picks where they're picking now, 29th, 50th, 100th. Uh, there's some players that should be available right around there that seem to fit the philosophy of this coaching staff and Mike McDaniel. So we got the coaching staff or we got the coaching staff settled. We've got free agency. We've got the draft and then we get mini camps and we get training camps and we get to do this all over again here, Chris. I'm excited. You're excited. Everybody feel these nipples. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There's a ton of good stuff coming up. It's uh, the NFL. There's never really an off season, especially for us all fans that uh, are part of this circus that's happening, but, Good things coming. I was telling our buddy uh, Jason last night, uh, we're talking about um, Mike McDaniel, and it's exciting to see his vision for these coaches. I'm excited to see his vision for free agency and um, his, his vision for the draft. And, and this is where we add pieces. We're a team that's not um, in a rebuild. We're a win-right-now team, and um, I'm excited to see where it goes. The, the future is, is, is right around the corner because we got the combine. Uh, we got um, the draft and just the free agency. So that's always a blast. I usually take off days, like just to hang out and re refresh, refresh, refresh and check Twitter. So it's going to be, it's going to be cool, man. I, these are exciting times coming up. And then all of a sudden training camp starts. It's the summer and uh, football season's back. So it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And uh, I, I can't remember who said it, but somebody threw out the uh, scenario kind of just tying into everything we're talking about right now. Given the scenario of Stephen Ross possibly tampering, uh, given that the punishment would probably be a loss of draft picks, do the Miami Dolphins just get out in front of it and trade away our first round draft picks for next season? Because we have two in 2023 and either go get themselves a player that's coveted or you know, get themselves uh, some draft picks for 2022 and trade up, you know, earlier into the first round and, and all that other fun stuff, which is an intriguing scenario, Chris. I, I don't know that we would be hedging our bet that well, we're definitely going to lose these draft picks, but uh, it's an interesting scenario to think of like, well, let's just get rid of them ourselves before and, uh, you know, soften that blow a little bit. Yeah, that would suck if we traded two first for like a veteran player that's okay. And then they're like, dude, guys, chill. We're just taking a third. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. like, damn it. Turns out Brian Flores was lying. We weren't going to take anything. He's like, oh, well, can we have Aren't our can we have picks, picks for having to go through this? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I, uh, it's been a, a splendid episode of perfect Vell here, Chris, um, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Yeah, we got to get Brock Lesnar on the show because he was on Pat McAfee and that was fantastic to watch. So, uh, fans tweet at Brock Lesnar, let's get that introvert on, a, on perfect Vell. That'd be great. We have a lot to talk about or Pat McAfee for that level. Uh, he was right. on a believe podcast network brethren or sister show not too long ago during super bowl, uh, media week. So we take Pat McAfee as well. Maybe at the same time, let's just do both. Let's just get Pat and Brock on here. Uh, I have a great story about Brock back when I was in high school and he was in college that I could share. Uh, he probably doesn't remember it because he's like, yeah, I kick everybody's ass every day. I, I can't remember how many people's asses I kicked Sam, but uh, yeah, that would be a fun one. Um, oh, that would be great, especially with our love for wrestling. So absolutely. Well, uh, until that happens, there's only one other thing to say, and that is on behalf of Chris Cullen, Sam Marku, and the entire Believe Podcast Network, 
goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.